Hello, and welcome to the Workplace Justice Podcast. This podcast helps to inform and empower you about your rights within the workplace. We cover topics and examples of various matters in employment law, including sexual harassment, pregnancy discrimination, racial discrimination, how the courts define a hostile work environment, whistleblowing, and everything in between. Workplace Justice is brought to you by the New York City employment and civil rights law firm, Nassar Law Group. Here are your hosts, Mahir Nassar, Casey Wolnowski, and Jeffrey Rosenberg. Thank you for listening to the Workplace Justice Podcast. I'm your host, Meyer Nassar. This podcast is dedicated to helping cater to a better society. And the one place where I believe we can all make a difference is to the workplace. When we cater to a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable workplace, we directly impact the communities we live in. And on that note, we have with us a very special guest. She's a disruptor, a trailblazer, a change agent, and a leader who believes in living an authentic life, even if it makes people uncomfortable. She grew up an only child in rural Southeast Alabama, where she was raised by her educator parents to persist in the face of personal and professional adversity. As a coach, she guides clients in areas of career development, business strategy, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. A distinguished professor and entrepreneur, her inquisitive nature contributes to her passion for educating others and sharing what she has learned via her experiences. Dr. Monica Cox, thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much, Meyer. So good to be here. So I want to read this quote. And, you know, obviously we've spoken a few times in the past and I came across this Twitter post that you had posted a while back, this tweet. And this tweet was like so powerful. It was so to the point that addressed everyone's mind when when we have all these social justice movements and we see all of these companies that are trying to do more about saying the right things, demonstrating the right things, showing to us that diversity, equity, and inclusion are so important to them. But then your quote comes out and I feel like it's a breath of fresh air that just kind of tells us like, what are you up to? What are you guys doing? Are you really in it to be in it, or are you putting up a show? And I want to read this quote, or rather, let me just pull this quote up, because I find this quote to be amazing, and it, it, it really, I feel, defines this whole issue in many ways in terms of the efforts that all these companies are taking. So instead of showing me your diversity statement, show me your hiring data your discrimination claim stats, your salary tables, your retention numbers, your diversity policies, and your leaders' public actions against racism and performative allyship. Mm -hmm. When you posted that tweet, July 8th, 2021, what was the thoughts that went in to actually tweeting that? Yeah, so... um Man, you know, it's so funny because it's just one of those things where you just tweet and you don't think, well, this is going to be the viral tweet. Let yeah. me just put it out there. And I think that I had written it before and it just queued back up through some type of software. And for some reason, 
it wasn't that I just wrote it that day. It's the fact that something may have been happening in the world. And for some reason, it picked up momentum in July 2020. So, oh, really? okay. yes, but but I still think that's really interesting because I think that would be like almost a year after the murder. It was a little bit over a year after the murder of George Floyd when everybody had all of their campaigns and everything they were doing very publicly. And as we now know, so many of those organizations didn't even fulfill their promises. And I just think the timing was where people were saying, we thought that something was going to happen, but it's not happening. It's very performative. So I just think that was the timing. It was the aha moment of like, oh man, nothing's different. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, as somebody that, you know, you're also an authenticity coach and, and from the perspective of being authentic and kind of catering to that thought process and actual sense of being within any environment from wherever you're from to whomever you are, whatever defines you as a person. When you talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion and being authentic, I mean, do you feel like we're moving in the right direction or do you feel like we're not? You know what? That's a very loaded question. So I'm just trying to see how I want to share this because let me just use kind of an analogy. So I work as a professor and I'll say from the education system, when the pandemic hit, we were able to, to move remotely in days and weeks. So everybody across every education sector, corporate America, et cetera, knew how to realign their their workplace. But my concern is that we have known about racial inequities and a lot of things that are happening, but we don't see that same speed. We don't see people trying to change their policies or, you know, just dismantle, so to speak. So are we going in the right direction think people know what to do so it's kind of the window dressing the makeup but the actions the push the move the results no it's not there you don't see it like you cannot tell me one institution that is the exemplar of having made a shift over the past year and this is how you do this work i don't see it at all yeah I agree with you. I think that there might be some companies out there, but I certainly mm-hmm. don't know of them. And they're not the major ones. They're not the major ones. Absolutely not, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the bigger employers, the ones that have the largest number of employees. And I think from the perspective of catering to diversity, equity, and inclusion, what do you feel could be something that companies should be doing if they really want to be true to this effort? I think one is transparency. So if you go back to the tweet and it's saying, you know, show me this, show me your data. We know that a lot of people aren't doing the work well, but I think a step is to just show us that you're not doing the work well. So I think people are still caught up in the fact that they're still marketing and saying, oh, we're so committed to this, but it's like, you're not. And so I feel like that's what would be fresh to have a place say, you know, we suck wind, yeah. you know, in this area, we know it. And here's another one, hold us accountable for being terrible and check in with us in six months, check in with us in one month. And we're going to have like a public site that shows what we're doing. 
it's that level of transparency. And we talk about authenticity, but that's what people want. Yeah. And the accountability of saying, like, if you recruit me to this place and you say this is who you are and you're not, then help me to find something else. So it's also this other space where I see many companies are hands off when they're not who they claim to be. And people get in and they're just like, what's so awful? Well, it's because they put on the dog and pony show and now they're not being held accountable for the fact that they lied or misrepresented themselves. And so there's that other side where people don't own up to the fact that the environment is terrible and they're either going to do nothing about it, can't do anything about it, you know, and and they don't know anything. And one other thing I'll quickly say, because I had another tweet, I guess Twitter is how I think. But, you know, we often talk about imposter syndrome. And my aha moment last week was when I said the workplaces are the ones who are the imposters. So many people who get into places start to feel that they're inadequate, but the workplaces don't have the strategies to do the work really well when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they just very much put on, you know, that persona But in reality, it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors. So that's what I call, you know, the workplace imposter. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that, you know, a lot of these companies that are out there, especially the larger ones, they spend a lot of money in their image, their branding, their marketing. And they'll, you know, obviously hire a diverse look. They'll hire people that will maybe perhaps fill in a quota. Yes. uh, And they will do things as a means to show and it's really show, like when you say performative allyship, yeah. I think it's such a powerful descriptor of what, what we're seeing and how we can kind of shift as a community, as a society to one where actually people believe in the actual values that is at the foundation of all of this, where people feel like they belong, mm-hmm. that this is our home, this is a place where mm-hmm. we go and we can be ourselves and not have to go through this process of what we call that imposter syndrome where we have to show uh, to someone in order to succeed in that environment that we're somebody else, that they want us to be and not be true to ourselves. Absolutely. I think, how do we cater to a more authentic place? I think that's one of the things I feel I'm drawn to authenticity and I try and everybody should be drawn to somebody's authenticity because you're not getting a flavor. You're getting exactly what it is. Absolutely. How does does one really cater to authenticity and being themselves and true to themselves? Yeah, well, you're really pushing me today, but I love my metaphors. And so I'm going to use a metaphor that's maybe like a cake. And when you think about all the ingredients that have to go into a cake, like each of those comes together to give you the desired um, product, which would hopefully be this moist cake. But if you omit like your vanilla extract, then the cake is not going to have that same flavor. And I think that in the workplace, we need to, like when we have a new ingredient that comes in, like, oh, I want to add chocolate chips or whatever, then you need to make sure that you're adjusting the recipe to account for the addition that's coming in. You know, you're making sure that everything is as it should be. And so often I think, you know, the chocolate chips are an afterthought, but you can't make it an afterthought because otherwise your cake is not going to be what it needs to be. So what I'm saying is, If we're going to do this work well, you have to lay all the ingredients out, see what you have in the kitchen and say, we have to put this together so that at the end it has the consistency we want. It has the flavor we want. You know, maybe you have to bake it differently because the volume is different. But 
every time you add something different, your recipe changes. And the problem is people want that same old like raggedy pound cake <laughs> recipe. <laughs> But, you know, we want to add all these other things to it. And it's like, you can't do it. That's not going to work. That's not the same pound cake that you started out with. You have like a super duper Decker chocolate chip, lavender something (laughs) that is different. So, you know, I hope that I hope that makes sense. But I just feel like people don't want to to change the recipe. That's, That's what I'll leave it with. They don't want to change the recipe. I love that analogy. And yeah. I do feel like I'm probably going to get a piece of cake after this. But that being said, <laughs> I'll say this is yeah. that I like it because I feel like you're right. People are not willing to change the recipe mm-hmm. and they're not willing to change what they're actually focused on trying to obtain from what they're looking to do. Mm-hmm. What are the objectives? What are the goals yeah. of doing something? Is the goal to make ourselves look better so that people will continue to work with us, that they will continue to buy our products and services, that they'll be willing to ignore the reality of who we actually are behind this curtain of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like that analogy. That's beautiful. I really think it, it works out well. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing I want to say is that we also talk about values. And yeah. when you look at many organizations, they're very capitalistic. I mean, you look at how everything is established, very paternalistic, capitalistic. I mean, we have all these things. The structure is what the structure is. Right. And if you look at people who are coming in and, you know, I, I use racial equity um, and, and, you know, just differences that way. Many of us as people of color are very community based. We're very team based. We're very inclusive. It's like together, I know that we need to work together to make this a better place. And there's just that tension, that tension of like saying that teamwork is important and actually making sure that teamwork is important and making sure that everyone has a place in the community. And so I just tell you, it's just that tension between, you know, the very rigid structure of more, more, more greed, consumption, you know, we're the best and competition right. versus inclusion, which is what what is required for many um, people from diverse groups to have to succeed. We need yeah. that because we're never going to win in the rigid society that was not built for us unless we code switch, unless we assimilate. And even so, many of us have visible um, diversity. We have things that prevent us from taking on the entire characteristic of the entity that we're entering. I used to tell someone this, and it's so funny because now it makes me laugh, but I was in a meeting one day and somebody asked, how was I able to attract so many diverse candidates? And, you know, I said, what we did was like restructure. Like we we evaluated everything. You have to tear down your policies and look at exactly what it says and how it really is implemented. You have to look at like literally everything, and then build it back up. Similar to what I said about the cake, you have to mix it, you have to bake it, you have to make sure that it now represents who you say you are. And many organizations don't get to that naked level, that authentic level to say, this is where we're great, this is where we're not great. And it's going to take courage for us to get to the place where we're great. A lot of people don't want to do that work. You know, it's funny that you, you know, we talk about being authentic at work, but being courageous is something that a lot of people don't have. And I've even been thinking about that today. In the workplace, 
we aren't taught to be brave. We don't think that we have to be brave. It's like we're not at war or we're not having to sacrifice. But to do this diversity, equity, and inclusion work well, you do have to be brave because you are pushing against an institution that doesn't want to move. You're, you know, and we are embedded in a society that also does not value everyone. Whether people want to argue with that or not, it's true. So, you know, it's it's pushing against pushing, you know, pushing against one thing, which is pushing against something else, and you will be attacked for doing this work because you are shifting the mindset of people. You are shifting that capitalistic society and who has power and who has money and who has access and who makes decisions. And that scares people. It's all about fear. It is. And many ways at the root of this is also white supremacy. Mm -hmm. And nobody likes to ever mention it, but in reality, at the very heart of all our systemic injustice and systemic issues that we have are these institutionalized forms of racism that is an output of the actual systems that actually have been nurtured over the years. And until we actually address these things, until we actually make changes to them, just like when we talk about the cake, you know, we got to take into account all of these ingredients and we need to also focus on what is the objective of what we're actually looking to create. Mm -hmm. Are we looking to create this robust cake that everybody will love and enjoy and feel like when they take a bite of it, that it's like they've just hit magic like it should be something for everyone and right. and it's not right some people find it to be death like it's just horrible mm. and yeah i mean i i don't know how one can really change systems and change environments unless we have an acknowledgement of these value issues Absolutely. Like I have this product in my store, my Dr. Monica Cox store, and I just wrote out 50 ways to stop playing diversity. And one of the ways is to get to the root of oppression. Whenever you are in an organization, you have to get to what has oppressed people historically. Why are we not attracting women? Why are we not attracting women of color? I mean, people of color. And I think many organizations can't confront that. And I want to just reference this book. I told you about this book that is still lingering with me. Um, We talked about it on a live, but it was the post-traumatic slave syndrome book. And the reason that it was interesting to me, and it's by Dr. Joy McGrew, is because as a Black woman, you know, I have been reading more about, you know, the history of Black women in the United States. And, you know, it talked about how, like, during slavery, you know, young women who were, I mean, Black women who were, like, as young as, like, 12 years old, maybe even younger, were given to guests, you know, for the guest pleasure. And they had no choice. And when you think about the history of that, when you think about someone of your race and gender being property to the point that they didn't even have control of their body, and that is the history, then over time, you can say you're progressive all you want, but when the original use or purpose for someone who looked like you was an object and property, then it takes time to value that person because of how it originally started, you know, being used in this country. And I think it's that type of stuff. When I say go back to the root, go back to the root of what people thought about 
anyone, any person, any group. And you'll often see that value was placed in just one kind of person. And the rest of the people in this country have had to fight to say, I deserve to have the full rights and privileges of voting, of, you know, using my body, of the law, (laughs) of everything. Like, you think it's literal, but it's not. It has been a fight to say, I deserve to vote. I deserve to sit at the front of the bus. I deserve to go to school (laughs) at any university in this country. Like, if you really, you know, if we really think about it, Meyer, that seems like a joke. You know, like us as 2020 people in 2022. Yeah. It's like, oh, the Constitution says as an American, I can do whatever I want. But no, we still can't. And it's that part. And it transitions, you know, it translates to the workplace, too. It's not as blatant sometimes, but it is when you start digging, when you start looking at policies, when you start looking at who has privilege and who doesn't. You know, I wrote something like this, whose stories are believed? You know, who gets by with certain behaviors? Who gets paid the most? It's the same concept. Right. And I think you touch upon things that I think, I think a lot of people in today's society really lack perspective of, that they don't understand how much people of color have had to fight just to simply be at the table, to have that place and to be seen, to be acknowledged as having an equal sitting right to be at that table rather than just being within the room in a, in a corner and not even acknowledged and heard yeah. and seen. And I think that's, you know, a lot of times, you know, we can have all these different laws that exist. And I think that, you know, I think there's many laws that exist right now that that paint a very clear picture as to what is right and what is wrong. And it just sometimes and most times doesn't even come out like that because what we are ultimately looking to do is we're looking to, if, if, if that is the objective, if the objective is okay, and I think that's that's where the problem lies, is that what is the objective? What is the objective? Is the objective to continue to support the system's of oppression to, to kind of support the systems of like modern enslavement of where people mm-hmm. can't can't really have a choice to live the life that they deserve and choose to live mm-hmm. at the hands of those that want to have control and power and to keep that power to themselves i mean how how do we like reckon where's the reckoning where are we going to get this justice because I know it's tough. It's just a rhetorical question. Yeah. I don't think there's any particular yeah. answer that could really get it done in this podcast. But for all those that are listening, I think that these issues are are serious. And I think, for especially those that experience, like a lot of times we talk about implicit bias within the workplace. And we talk about mm-hmm. how within these work environments, we're having these conversations. Obviously, it's good to be even having the conversation in the first place mm-hmm. about diversity, equity, inclusion. At least there is some acknowledgement that we do have a problem. Here's what it is. But what we're doing right now is like like what you said, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And we need to figure out like how do we translate that into a more value-oriented reason that is consistent with people feeling like they truly belong in that environment. Absolutely. And you know what? I want to bring up another thing. As you were talking, it was kind of an aha for me where I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about this point, but... It's the, 
I guess it's the naivete, so to speak, of people who think that systems are just. So like for me, you know, it's that first time where you kind of think, oh, okay, well, if I'm a leader and if, you know, this person is treated this way as a leader, when I come in as a leader, you know, here's my rule book. Here are the things that, you know, being a leader means in this space. But when you kind of get hit with the fact that it's not real, I think that there's also this hurt that people feel because you realize for once that equality is not real. You kind of realize, oh my gosh, like, you know, I have this image of myself in my head where I think I can do anything. You know, I am valuable. I am precious. And it's just that moment where, dare I say, a workplace or a space almost hurts your feelings. You know, it's, it's that, like, who do you think you are? Yeah. And I don't know if we even process that. Like, that's something that I have had to deal with, you know, as a professor over my work life is the fact that everything is not the same. But in what class are you taught that? And some people be like, well, oh, that's just life. But I think that we have such a noble image of work. And for those of us who come from, you know, environments where our people are like, you know, just show up on time, you know, do a good job, you know, be a good steward of the thing that you're given, because that's the thing that is so rewarding. When that place betrays you, when that space shows that it's not uh, recognizing what you're bringing to it, you know, that's where I tell people, we have to realize that we are renters and leasers. You have to have a different relationship about work and understand the transactional nature of being in that space. It is not a marriage. You know, this is not someone who's committing to you. You have to sometimes protect yourself within an organization or space that does not like love you back. It doesn't protect you. So how do you deal with that? So it kind of relates to what you were saying, but I feel like there's so much complexity in that, um, you know, I also think it's like a relationship. You can't just, you know, I said this to someone earlier, you just can't jump in everybody's bed. It's not safe. It's not good for you. And so often we just think that we can, you know, kind of just go because we have skills, but you have to really date, date your organization. You know, look at what's in the closet. (laughs) You know, look at what's happening. Look at them with the makeup off and listen to it. Believe it when you see what you see, because anyone and everyone really is in the space of marketing and presenting themselves. You see no organization that says, like I said, they suck. They would never never say that. Right, they wouldn't. And they're always trying to cover up when it looks like they suck. They're spinning, spinning the narrative to be like, oh no, that's not what you think it is. That person's wrong. Like, this is who we are. And it's that, you know, thinking about what I said earlier about authenticity, sometimes you just have to come out um, and say, we suck. We did it wrong. We got it wrong. We're terrible. People can respect you for that. They can. They certainly can. I think at the core of this is ultimately the truth, right? It's the, it's the, what we're all fighting for in terms of justice or, you know, the systems that exist is that, are we really living a life that's true, Mm -hmm. not just to us, but is the environment that exists also true to us as well? Absolutely. And it's very difficult. And one of the things that you mentioned before about like how, these systems, these systems of laws that exist and the way these institutions are structured, just in terms of looking at how they they operate, how they result in what people experience, especially people of color, people that are not white men, how it's so different, how it's not, 
Well, we expect one thing. We celebrate on July 4th the Declaration of Independence. But that Declaration of Independence wasn't for everyone, right? It wasn't for everyone. We weren't, and, and, but we, we see the fireworks and we celebrate it. And we're so proud that we were able to fight off the colonizers, those that oppressed us. But what about the oppression that existed here? And those are the things that we still are still fighting for. <laughs> we're still fighting against. So I think, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of things to to address here. But, you know, I'm hopeful that that performative allyship that you talk about can truly become one in which there's truth behind the allyship, that there's actually there's actual work that is valued at seeking truth, justice, and really catering to an inclusive environment for all people. Because if we don't, then I don't really see us being really the United States of America. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I was talking to a friend about this and we're just talking about humanity. You know, a lot of this is just being, it's it's like caring for, you know, your brother or your sister. And it's just like, as a human, I respect you. As a human, I want you to live the best life you can. And I think so often we do make it really hard. But, you know, when you think about civil rights, it's the fact that everyone has a right to, you know, live their lives the way they need to. And the words of the Constitution are amazing. It's the execution, you know? It's like, uh, you know, life, liberty, and, you know, ju- justice for all. Uh, maybe, is that the Pledge of Allegiance? I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but you know, but you know, yes, yes. And you know what? And all the words, and it's so funny, the way I say it is that we have so many words jumbled up, and it sounds so beautiful and so poetic. And, oh my gosh, you know, even the Statue of Liberty, give us your tired, your poor. Yeah. I mean, it's just so welcoming and loving and this is the best life that you could live but we just have to implement that we have to operationalize it we have to make sure that it's real and that's what justice is yeah. you know we need accountability that's what we're supposed to be i agree well, dr cox it's been an amazing conversation i want to thank you for having this conversation it was raw it was it was true it was honest and it was really something that i felt like we we both connected, and I appreciate your time and and you know giving us more and more uh, about how we can cater to a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive society as a whole, just not the workplace but beyond. So thank you for taking yeah. out the time. Thank you for inviting me. It's been fun. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Workplace Justice Podcast. Love this episode? Leave us a review and tell us what you think about our show. If you haven't subscribed yet. Head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss a new episode. Need help? Talk to an employment lawyer today. Visit our website at nisarlaw.com or call 212-600-9534 for your free case evaluation. See you in the next episode.